Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. We're your hosts, Matt Domney and Kyle Dobbs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, everybody, thank you for joining us on today's episode of Compound Performance Radio. Uh, today with us, we have our guest, Luke Lehman. Unfortunately, it will be a solo podcast with just myself. Kyle is too cool. He's decided <laughs> that he is better than all of us, and he's just elevated himself to full influencer status, and he's just like, I don't do podcasts anymore. So you guys will have to deal with just me bullshitting with Luke. But Luke, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, you want to take a moment to hey man, thanks for having introduce me. introduce yourself? Yeah, I mean, oh man, that's the the worst question after you've done a million podcasts. Give me the origin oh, story. It's Give me the, the origin story. We talk yeah. about it all the time. Like it goes like it, when you're when you do your first podcast, it's like a thirty minute intro. Your hundredth yeah, podcast, yeah. it's like a five minute. Your millionth podcast, it's like, hi, my name's Luke. <laughs> that's yeah. I like to lift weights. Cool yeah. and science. It's yeah. It's funny because, man, you're right. You're right. The first time they're like asking you everything about when did you start? You know, uh, what's your favorite lift? And it's like, fuck, man, there's only so many times you can actually talk about it. But yeah, man, um, I'll just give you, give you the short and long of it. Yeah. I've been lifting weights for forever. I started lifting weights when I was like eight years old. Um, you're, you're in Texas, right? You're in Houston, right? I'm in Houston, sir. Yeah. Are you born and bred? No, I moved down from New Jersey in 2016. I'm an I'm a I'm a oh, transplant. Yeah, that's good. As long as you don't say California, that's no. the worst. Right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> try they're trying to Californicate Texas. It drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know how big Texas football is. I mean, yes. it's crazy, and especially especially where I'm from because it's I'm in a town of less than seven thousand people. So oh, wow, the minute you yeah, you get out of the womb, they hand you a football and that you are you are expected to play football or at least be part of the team, even if you only like your only playing time is handing out Gatorade and hand yeah. towels, but and being a hitting dummy. But that's the thing. So I started training um, like at eight years old and like not just like curls and push ups, like actually getting books and learning how to train. Right. Okay. Um, and I was. I was fortunate. My sister was five years older than me. So by the time she got into high school, she dated a lot of guys like quarterback and football team, you know, the, the old cliche, small town cliche. And they would always, you know, try to get into her pants, which would say, hey, let me show you how to work out. So I was like, cool. So we started doing that. And I had really good coaches in high school for powerlifting. Um, I actually started the powerlifting team at my high school. We didn't have that. Um, it was kind of on again, off again. When I got into high school, we didn't have it. I wanted to wrestle. And uh, I talked to my coach, said, can we start a wrestling team? He goes, we could, but we would have nobody to wrestle because no one at 3A football wrestles. So, but how about powerlifting? I was like, that sounds cool. What's that? So we started powerlifting. Um, and I did that for a long time, went to college, got bored with it, went into bodybuilding, had some bodybuilding friends, things like that. Um, got bored with that, went back into powerlifting um, in my mid-20s. Um, then got, just got discouraged with all the equipment. I hated the equipment everybody was wearing. And that was mm. right at the peak of when people were using like custom double denim squat suits that would put 300 pounds in your squat. And yeah. I, I remember the last competition I was in, I went to a bench press competition, bench press only. And a lot of the guys from my club were there and I got beat out by a guy that I could raw bench a hundred pounds more than him. And he beat me by like 30 pounds with a shirt. Yeah. And I was the dumbass that put, I would buy a shirt, put it on at the meet. I'd never worn it before. So I pull on this Enzer Rage X, I have no idea how to lift in it. Um, dump, I dumped like four, 420 or 430 in my lap and almost broke my elbows. Um, the spotters didn't catch it and it came down and my elbow started to work. And so, yeah, that was it. I went to the strongman after that, did Atlanta strongman, which isn't, I don't think it's a thing anymore. That was different. Um, so Bill Kazmaier did a whole thing where all right, we're going to do strongman, but we're not going to do like Atlas stones and you know, we're going to do lifts. You can actually train for at any gym. So we did trap bar, deadlift, neutral grip, chin, push press, bench press, and Thomas inch, uh, dumbbell deadlift. Single oh, that's, deadlift. A, that's an awesome competition too. Yeah, it's cool because yeah. it's accessible to anybody. Everybody so can do it. Did that. 
yeah, did that second place, got beat out by a guy that was 50 pounds heavier than me by five pounds. I lost by five fucking pounds. Um, that tore me up, but that was a fun competition because the, it was really smart the way they did the lifts because I wasn't a big guy. It was, it was under 230 or over 230 and I was 235 pounds. And there were some guys there that was four, there were 400 and something pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you get to the bench press, you're fucked because these guys, one of the guys like raw bench, like 600, yeah. I'm going, what the fuck? But <laughs> then we get to the neutral grip chin up and he can't do it. And he couldn't do, he couldn't do anything overhead because he was too fat. Yeah. So that's where we kind of caught up with him on some of those lifts. Um, then I did that for a while, went back into physique, did men's bikini for a little bit of time. Um, and uh, yeah, and then that's it, man. Um, but along that way, I always had a thirst for knowledge. So it, again, my, my hometown, very small. So we got a small library. There wasn't a lot of books on fitness that you could check out. Mm-hmm. In 92, we got the internet. So now, you know, I, I was going with like these old 70s books and magazines. And now I've got access to a lot of people like Charles Paul. Paul uh, Check, Charles Staley, all these old school guys. And eventually I went and uh, uh, saved up some money and went to see Charles Poliquin. And I ended up doing my level one PICP, uh, Biosig, then level two, level three, and then a bunch of other like special courses. And then he asked me to come on and um, do assistant teaching in North America. So I did that for a while. And eventually in 2013, <clears throat> when he left the company, I came in and took over his position, did that for a couple of years and uh, didn't like what I saw um, when I was actually inside the company. Yeah. So made my hiatus and started our company. Yeah. That's so, the super fast, kind of super fast one. Story. The super fast one, the 12 minute long intro. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you started your own company after that, right? So yeah. talk a little bit about what your company is. What do you do? What did you see mm. in the difference between what you were, what you didn't like with Poliquins that you're trying to change with what you did? Yeah. Well, so one of the things that just confused me and it was weird because I've been a student for forever since like 2007. And when I started teaching, I think quickly started realizing, man, we're teaching how to train national world and Olympic level athletes and no one taking these courses trains athletes. So I started asking questions before class so I could figure out how I need to tailor some of the classes. Like, Hey, this is how we'd use in this situation, but you'd have to scale it like this because a lot of the programming that we were using, if you weren't a national level competitor and you were training Susan Muffintop from next door, you're going to have to scale this shit back. Like there, she's not going to be able to handle that with, you know, three kids, a partner, a job and all this other shit that's going on. So I would ask these, these, uh, students, I'd say, look, how many of you guys train athletes? Everybody raised their hands. I go, okay, how many of you train more than two athletes? All the hands go down. There might be one or two out of 60 people. I'm like, okay, you guys don't train athletes. You, you aren't coaches, you're personal trainers. You train normal people like your next door neighbors, your parents. You're not a coach. You're not a fucking, you don't train athletes. You want to, you want to go broke real quick, train athletes, Mm -hmm. because unless you're lucky, the money is in the general population. So when I left, um, my wife and I, my girlfriend at the time, we had no money. Like she quit her jobs and sold her car and flew to America. Um, and then when I left, like, okay, we have like 10 grand or a name and we kind of blew through that really quickly. So we started, uh, our company and I said, well, I've been training at like how to train athletes. That's what I've been teaching. Let's train something no one else is, is teaching. We're going to teach people how to actually train normal people using some of that stuff scaled down and also working on health and fitness instead of just working on making you look better naked, making you right. really strong and all that. So we did that for a long, long time, but we painted ourselves in a corner with that because people had forgotten or weren't aware that I was a high level competitor and all these other things. So now I've tried to transition a little bit. So I actually now train a lot of gym pop people who are athletes or mm-hmm. uh, want to train like athletes. So we've kind of done a, not a 180, you know, the general population stuff is still the bread and butter, but now we're starting to branch out on, here's how you train powerlifters, here's how you train Olympic lifting, here's how you train MMA and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's it, man. I mean, we've got a big emphasis on things like 
taking metrics like stress metrics, you're looking at hypertension. We just released a hypertension course earlier in the year. Um, you know, just trying to trying to take this really uh, complex science mumbo jumbo stuff and then not watering it down, but making it digestible and understandable for people who don't have a biochemistry background or don't have a biology yeah. background. Like, yeah, how do you take, how do you teach this stuff in a way that trainers are going to understand when they don't have even a college education? Yeah. And then how do you layer on complexity for the people who do want to keep going deeper and deeper and they want that high level of complex uh, information? Especially considering the stuff that you're talking about, like that's very important information to know if you're dealing with the general population, because like you don't want to kill yeah. a dude on a rower. Like nobody wants to be that. No, <laughs> no, no. It's, that's the thing. Like <clears throat> we, we bought a gym a couple of years ago, right before COVID. Mm -hmm. It was like five days before we all went to lockdown. It was a horrible timing. Perfect but, timing. The um, best. My wife's made it perfect. Best. But my wife's made it work and that's, it's doing really well. But it's been, it had been so long since I'd been out of training normal people. Yeah. That I, you know, you always know it's bad. If I was like, man, this is really bad. We're taking people's blood pressure, 180 over 100, you know, 190 over 90. And now, when I, when I teach a class, these trainers are not taking people's blood pressure. It's like, okay, so your, your client has crazy high stage two, like emergency room blood pressure. And when they come in, you go, Hey, come in for, I'll give you a workout for free. So you can see what I do. And you just bash their nuts in the dirt. Like, <laughs> do you, do you think that's going to make things worse or better? Um, and we found that people weren't putting enough emphasis on that. Oh man. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, when I used to work at my uh, Globo gym, that was the one of the number one things that I talked about is like, we, we had a meeting with all of the trainers, right? And this is after I'd stepped down and became a manager again. And our general manager was sitting there talking about what do you do when you take a person on? What do you do? Like if you have somebody who just wants to come in and they want to train and all of these people were talking about all these like movement assessments and other things. And I'm like, can I just take their blood pressure first? And my general manager like pulled yeah. me over to the side afterwards. It was like, you were the first and only person who I've done this with who's ever mentioned anything about blood pressure. And I'm like, that's really upsetting. Yeah. Like these people are just going to kill these people. It <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's nuts to me. It's yeah. And you do, you're lucky to get a movement assessment. I yeah. mean, a lot of, a lot of guys these days because there's so many people getting into our industry and it's so easy they're not even doing that because they don't know anything about anatomy and they yeah. don't know how to even do an assessment. Like, how are you going to put somebody, how are you going to write a workout if you, you don't know their limitations? Like, yeah. You have no idea that you don't know their, their injury history. You're like, okay, you got a dodgy knee. You're not going to, you're not going to figure that out before you put a bar on their back and have them try to squat. Like, right. We probably want to look at that, try to figure out what's going on, but they don't do it. And particularly with the general population, like, if you're looking at coaching general pop, which is where the most of the money is, because like I'm a powerlifting coach and I can tell you as a powerlifting client and powerlifting coach that we're stingy motherfuckers. I ain't paying money for shit. But like if I'm coaching gen pop people and I don't like and, and I don't look at any of that stuff first, like I know with my demographic what they're doing and about what they're going to look like. And I can tell it from an SPD assessment. But like I'm not making a fucking like you were talking about, like the, any of your gen pop clients do it. Like, oh, what's it's your first session, right? Cool. We're gonna do some barbell squats, make you do some deadlifts. Like, no, this doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you're dealing with a dealing with a population that can barely chew gum and walk at yeah. the same time. So dude, I now we're gonna throw them right into a five clients. by five. I make that joke with my clients all the time. I'm like, I he's the most the least coordinated person I've ever seen. And I'm like, my, every morning when I see him, I'm like, Mike, I am so surprised that you can actually auto respirate and you're not sitting there going in, out, in, out. It's so bad. Yeah. And there's so many, there's so many boxes that need to be ticked off before they even get to a heavy load. And uh, there's a lot of guys just, let's just start deadlifting heavy and squatting heavy. I got I people who can't even breathe correctly. They don't know when to breathe in, when to breathe out, when to hold their breath how to breathe correctly, how to brace correctly, dude, let's max you out first session yeah. and see what happens. It's nuts. <laughs> I'm going to take you for a 10 rep max. Let's go. Let's see what you got. But I mean, like that's, but that's the thing though, is like, I really like what you said about, cause we've, we've had multiple other people 
who are in a similar position to you, who are working at high level at boil strength and conditioning or other places who say the exact same thing where it's like, if you want to be broke, train athletes. If you want to make mm-hmm. money in fitness, train gen pop. And I think that's yeah. a message that really bears repeating because I did the same thing when I graduated school and started becoming a trainer. I was like, I only want to work with athletic populations. Yeah. I did the same. I did the same. I wanted to, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to uh, be a strength coach in the uh, university level. Yeah. And a buddy of mine goes, cool. So you want to work a hundred hours a week for $38,000 a year yeah. and basically a hold a salary. clipboard the first five years. Yeah. He goes and hold, hold a clipboard and get people coffee the first five years. And I went, I don't think I want to do that. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, and then if your team does poorly, <laughs> you're probably going to get fired for something unrelated. Yeah. 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 Or God, God forbid somebody gets hurt and they've done something you've told them not to do and yeah. they do it anyways. They're still under your watch. You're the, you're the easiest person to blame. Yep. Oh man. But the thing is too, like you can, you can still train people like athletes. And I, th- I actually think it's more fun to take somebody who isn't an athlete and turn them into at least an amateur athlete, you know? I mean, I've got, I train a lot of coaches. Like that's the majority of what I do right now, other than the education is I do online coaching for um, personal trainers and, and strength coaches. And man, they can't move. They can't move. Their technique is just shit. They can't do anything. They can't move well, even with, even with basic stuff like yeah. deadlifts and, uh, and squats. They don't know the difference between how to squat or how to deadlift for different things, right? So a weightlifting squat versus a powerlifting squat. They don't understand that versus um, a bodybuilding <clears throat> squat. They, they don't understand these things. And a lot of people are getting confused because everybody's arguing about how, how much does form matter? How much does technique matter? Um, you know, uh, how, how, how much does it matter to squat in a way that biases a certain area of your body? And it's like, man, a lot of people... Just need to learn how to squat correctly, yeah. get in those positions, then manage the load, keep their technique good enough until they've earned the right to lift with a little bit of shady technique. Yeah. But like even gen pop, there's no reason to have anybody in gen pop ever lift with anything other than perfect form. Maybe give them a five to 10% variance once they've learned how to manage the load in um, shady positions, right? Right. There's just no, there's, there's no, why would I, what's the benefit? What's the benefit, the risk ratio, if I have a 48 year old soccer mom squatting? Like I don't, she doesn't even give a shit about putting a hundred kilos in her back. She cares about wearing a one piece bikini and not feeling embarrassed about her body when she goes to the beach. I mean, you know, she doesn't want her knee to hurt. She doesn't want her back to hurt. You know, yeah. that's the reality of training 98% of who we train in the industry. And yeah. I think a lot of people are putting the, they're putting the focus on the wrong things. And it's a lot of trainers wanting to be ego lifters and, and have their clients look at, look at this 85 year old grandma that just deadlifted 200 pounds. And she's just looking all kinds of janky and snap city. And they're patting themselves on the back. And I'm like that, that wasn't actual deadlift. That was, that was a lift. You, you picked the bar off the ground, but that wasn't a deadlift. I don't know what the fuck that was. Yeah. Like, like the semantics of what you said are correct. The weight was dead on the ground it's a, and then it was lifted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, that's this, this weird ass, like uh, a strong man axle lift where you're just hinging it up the leg and twisting. And it's just yeah. like, just get it up. It's no, like I get it. If you're training somebody where that's going to be part of what they have to do for competition in competition, you're never going to have a lift that looks perfect. Mm-hmm. But if you're training people who don't compete, there's no reason to. And if they can't lift it correctly um, in the first place, they shouldn't be competing at all. Yeah, absolutely. And like that's one of the biggest things that you just said right there that's going to make everybody tune out of this podcast is that there's a context and a time and a place for both of them. And that's the least sexy yeah. answer that yeah. you can give. Nobody that's likes it. that. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's like – it's sexy sales. And that's what drives me nuts. It's like, if you teach basic, if you teach basic stuff, nobody wants to hear it. They want to hear, give me the advanced shit. I'm like, you don't train anybody advanced. Why do you need advanced stuff? And like, that's one of the craziest things too, is like half of the people that have come to me for coaching, they look at my program and they're like, Oh, this is like really simple. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It's good. I've seen your programs. I've seen your programs. Yeah. It's good. So it's like, and that's the thing. 
Yeah, it's a, to me, like I'm, I, I always say, look, keep it simple until it needs to be complex. Yeah. I, I'm only going to use something complex if there's a complex problem to solve. Absolutely. If, if, if I can't fix it with something basic, okay, now we got to get a little bit crazy. But um, yeah, it's just people overcomplicate this. They overcomplicate training. They overcomplicate nutrition. They overcomplicate lifestyle. They, a lot of coaches, they expect their clients to do too much. You can't take somebody who's been, trashing their body for 45 years and give them 100 things that they need to change right now like that's there's no way that's going to happen how much do you think that that desire for complexity right off the bat and overcomplicating literally everything that we're looking at is insecurity in the fact that i am a personal trainer for a, a, my job and my career well, nobody's a personal trainer anymore. They're all coaches. Yes. Like you're not a coach. You're not yeah. a coach. Like that's a, that's a term you give someone who has actually coached multiple people at high levels. Like you're not a strength. It, it drives you nuts. A guy calling himself a strength coach. He can barely, he can barely squat his body weight. Like you're not a fucking coach. You get on the platform, you get on the stage, you do some competing and then you start competing, like get other people and have them compete at high level. You're now a strength coach. Yep. Right. Um, I think I I think a lot of it is their desire to a mask the fact that they don't know how to do things correctly, so they just overcomplicate it. You see it all the time when you get on uh, Instagram and somebody will be talking biochemistry and they'll throw out a ton of big words. It's like, bro, you could have used a lot of little words to to explain that. Like, you didn't need to use all of the complex biochemistry words, but they don't know how to simplify because they don't actually know it deep enough and broad enough. Um, yeah, so it's, that's kind of how I look at it. Like if you're, I wrote this down somewhere to make a post on it, but what Getting some people, exclusive content, the kind of the time, well, the, <laughs> the timeline <laughs> is like, you'll know someone's an expert because they'll always look for the simplest solution first. Yeah. They'll always, they'll always make a hierarchy of, okay, what's the easiest way to fix this? What's the biggest thing I can change that'll give me most of the payback? And if that doesn't work, what's the next simplest solution? And you work up that hierarchy until you get to a point where it's like, okay, none of this is working. Now we got to do something crazy. Right. I don't know, man. My, my barometer on finding an expert is waiting for somebody to tell me that they are an expert in their given field. That's how I know. It's just like finding yeah. like the, you, I'm the best trainer in the area. It's like, oh, cool, buddy. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> somebody who's an expert will tell you vehemently that they're not an expert yeah. because they realize there's no such fucking thing. Right. I mean, it's like I started doing jujitsu like three or four years ago and I've done a lot of martial arts. I've done judo. I've done Japanese jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, Hapkido, Taekwondo. I've done a lot of stuff. And it's like, when you when you talk to a black belt they realize that when you get the black belt you basically just started like yep. you've just gotten good enough to actually understand what's going on and when you look at jujitsu it's going to take you you know it could take you 10 to 12 years maybe even 15 to get your black belt and yeah. you realize i actually understand it enough to now start working on being an expert yeah. and you'll be an expert in like 40 or 50 years right before you die yeah. right so, dude that was that was the craziest that, thing like I used to train with Marcelo Garcia in New York city when I, when I lived over there and like Marcelo Garcia at the time before, this is before Gordon Ryan, like went on his tear, but like Marcelo was considered the greatest of all time. And like, when you would just talk mm. to Marcelo and like, you'd be like, Oh, professor. He'd be like, no, 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 no. My name is Marcelo. And that's all he would ask. He yeah. didn't want, like he, he was exactly like you're saying. He's like, no, no, no. I'm just, I just love what I'm doing. And I just happen to be further along than you. I'm not a master of anything. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's what I, when, when I talk to young, like people who are just getting in the industry and they're like, how do you know so much? Oh my God, you, you know so much. I'm like, yeah, I'm 44 years old. I've been <laughs> studying this stuff since I was a kid. Like it, it has nothing to do with me being smarter than you or, or knowing all this. It has to do with time. I've spent more time with this than you have because you've been in the industry a year and a half. <laughs> Give yourself 20 years. You'll see what I'm talking about. But a lot of these guys, they want to be there right now uh, because they've grown up in a generation where things were a lot of things were given to them. They didn't have to work that hard and they had information at the push of a button. Um, so 
they 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 think they're going to be in the industry three years, five years, or even ten years, and actually know what the fuck they're talking about. It's probably going to take you ten years at least to even start understanding. Man, I don't know shit. Yeah. Um, and then it's going to take you another ten years to say, "Fuck, I thought I was dumb at ten years in. I'm super stupid at twenty, and that's never going to end. It never ends." <laughs> How happy are you that social media didn't really exist? Because like, I, so I'm going to be 32 in September. Yes. But so like when I just started coaching, social media was not a, really a thing. Um, like Instagram existed, but they didn't have video capabilities. It was just to post pictures of like you and your friends or food pictures. How happy are you that like you didn't come up in that era? Like it's hard now. I, I, I'm happy. I'm happy for the fact that I had to work really hard yeah. to get to find information. Um, I had to work really hard to do. I had to actually travel to go get information. You yeah. couldn't just go on. You couldn't go on social media and just watch people ramble about shit or YouTube. I, I actually had to get on a plane and fly halfway across the country or even to another country in order to talk to the person I wanted to talk to. And that gave me a good work ethic from mm -hmm. that perspective of, of I, it made me value knowledge a lot more than people value it now because now they don't really value it and they don't have a good bullshit barometer because everybody's a fucking expert on YouTube. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what I, I'm, I'm happy for, but it also makes me frustrated now because of how watered down that education side of things is. Yeah. Um, and, and also how watered down coaches are like, or trainers. When I got in the industry, it wasn't cool to be a trainer. Your parents would laugh at you. They want to fucking disown you. My yeah. mom told me you'll never make a career out of this. And I was like, oh, I'll show you that made me want to do it even worse. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad. And I, I got to have some experiences that people don't have anymore. Right. Um, because when you went to these, when you went to education things, then it was like a big fucking party. It was like a holiday vacation. You were meeting people you would never be able to meet because you didn't, there's no way to meet them online. There was no Facebook. So you'd end up making really good friends out of those colleagues. And then you'd all go to the same seminars. You'd all go and get wasted and have fun and, learn and all that it was great and it was a much better more solid tight-knit community than it is now yeah and now it just seems like the majority of what people do on the internet is just bicker about the smallest amount of details that barely oh matter God. for anybody and it, it's and you know what it's not just bickering they're being nasty about it yeah. like they're like fighting and calling each other names and all these ad hominem attacks and it's like man you guys that that's one of the one of the most frustrating things is guys man a lot of roads lead to rome like you can say you can say that you don't agree with somebody without being an absolute cunt yeah. um you can say that you know well i have a different way of doing this than you and that's okay like that's all right like if i want to build somebody's glutes i i I can do that with segmented deadlifts and different types of deadlifts and squats and different types of squats and different types of hinging. Um, that's okay. But then you have people that say you need a special exercise for this. And I don't think that's correct. And then even those guys will bicker among themselves on where's the best angle of, you know, line of pull shoulder angle, whatever it hit all these different muscles. And I'm like, dude, realistically what you need to do those first like five years is just get real fucking strong yeah. on big big ass basic shit i've never met anyone who squatted even 200 kilos it, which is nothing like you and me know that so people hear that and be like oh my god i only squat like 150 like, yeah. that's cool i only squat like 150 right now but you're never going to see a guy that that squats four five six hundred pounds that doesn't have a big ass dump truck butt yep. it, it's impo it's impossible yep. you know and they didn't do that with single leg hip thrust they didn't do that with you know um you know doing special split squats where they're doing contralateral split squats into the lateral hip which i think that's a brilliant movement i use it a lot um because not for glutes because people have shit fucking rotators um so, you know, they, they need to understand that if you're going to build a big ass rig and you want to build your physique, you have to build a big, like raw piece of granite that you can then chip away with using those special exercises now. Right. But, 
But the fastest way to get there is to just work on getting real fucking strong in all these movements because your body has no other choice but to grow. Yeah. And that's that's one of the biggest things too is like I I love that analogy that you just talked about about like hewing out a huge piece of granite first and then refining and detailing it later because that's what it's supposed to be. And if we're looking at like things like optimizing your line of pull or really shifting into a hip, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to make you do that if you're just, if you're like, Perfect example is a, a former client of mine was like 6'5", 6'6", 140 pounds. And he wanted to do all these like nifty stuff. And I'm like, bro, you are just small. Like, I don't care what cool stuff you want to do. Yeah. But like you're reaching like near muscular failure on like a wall elevated push up. You need to just get <laughs> bigger. Like, I don't know what to tell yeah. you, bro. Like your body is just like, not strong need- enough to support yourself. And that's the, and the thing is, I like a lot of these exercises and, um, you know, I get in the debates with friends of mine that, that teach this type of stuff. And I'm like, dude, I, fuse, I like this stuff, but I like putting it in when I'm solving a problem that can't be solved with anything else. And, yeah. you know, for me, the solution, the solution for most everything is squat, bench, dead, overhead press, pull up, chin up, row, all that stuff first, then accessorizing it with this other stuff um, when they need that stuff. Like a lot of the things that people are using now, even even with like breathing rib rib expansion, um, rib compression, all that stuff, like that's not something that I really knew a lot about. And I was like, I just don't use it. Now, after talking to a few people in the industry and understanding it more at a meathead level, I'm using a lot more of that, but it's a, so it's like 5%. And I think that stuff's great to get set up for stuff. And then then with it, the ipsilateral versus contralateral loading and hip shifting and all that, I'm seeing a lot of value in that. But it still doesn't override the basic fundamental things that people need to, to need yeah. to work on first. It's the, it's the gravy. It's not the main course. hundred percent. It's the side dish. You know, yeah. you still need your meat and potatoes. It, it's your asparagus and your yeah. Cabernet. It's all that dessert. If you're fancy for dessert, but um, a, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that, that we're doing is we're kind of, we're kind of putting the wrong things in the front and putting the cart before the horse which is uh, it's much harder for the horse to push the cart than it is for it to pull the cart. Mm-hmm. So we need to reallocate what we're doing here, right? Absolutely. And like, that's, that's where like so many people just get so lost in that, where they find one particular system or one particular thing and they dive all into it. And it's like, I don't care which one it is. Are you taking your 37th PRI course? Are you taking your seventh round of a hypertrophy camp? Are you taking your 15th round of functional patterns? Like get some fucking diversity, dude. Go out of your bubble. Like find, realize that like, yeah, that stuff is cool. And like taking it that many times might give you a little bit more information about it, but there's a whole world of other shit to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I call them, they, a lot of people confuse themselves because they become certification sluts. Yeah. They'll have 25 different certifications on the wall and they don't know anything about any of them. They just got the, the fucking piece of paper on the wall in a nice little frame. Their clients walk in. They're like, these are all the courses I've done. I walk in, I go, okay, tell me about these courses. They're yeah. like, uh, yeah, this one's a breathing one. Uh, this one's a certain pattern one. This, I'm like, okay, but no, tell me deeply about these yeah. courses because you've taken all these to get the piece of paper, but you don't know shit about what you even learned and you don't know how to apply that. Yeah. Um, so it's like people don't spend enough time learning a system before they move on to another system. And they, it's, it's almost like certification ADD. It's like, ooh, 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 FRC, ooh, FST, ooh, give me another three letter thing that I can go do. It's like, bro, you need to get, get three levels deep in something, understand it, then go to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's getting worse with social media now, because like we talked about earlier with everybody being an expert, everybody also has a course or a mentorship or a program. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're like 17 years old. Why are you teaching people how to coach? Like you, you just started. Like, who are you? It's like, what you should be teaching is marketing because you're really good at social media marketing. Yeah. Yeah. 
but you can always, that's why I still like live teaching. Like we've got, I can't leave Australia right now because I'm waiting for my PR to go through, but um, I still will always have in person because you can show how much you know at that point, because anybody Absolutely. can pre-record something. It's when you have them face to face and you go, okay, take that a little bit deeper. And they're like, uh, um, uh, and their script's not in front of them. So that's how you really find out quickly when someone's a charlatan and they're talking out of their ass. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. one of the things that's definitely gotten worse with the whole situation that's happened globally with nobody else being able to do it. And also everybody yeah. moving to remote. So now people are just disincentivized from going and teaching it like and doing an yeah. intensive or doing a seminar like that. Cause why would I want to go to one specific place and meet 25 people when I could sell a remote thing and sell it to a 10,000 people? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like it's, it's gotten, it's gotten wild, man. People get their, they'll get their certification and they'll start online training. They've never, they've never trained anybody in person. I'm like, how, how are you like, I don't understand how you do it because I, I'm fairly well experienced and the way I train people is they post their videos and I take screenshots and I show them where they're fucking up in their positions, where they need to shift their weight. You know, I'm, I'm cleaning up their stuff. I'm actually coaching. Yeah. So it's like, it's even though I'm not with you at the time, I'm coaching after the fact and telling me what to do for the next round. And it's hard enough with somebody experienced to have that coach's eye and look and saying, okay, you're not putting enough pressure through your big toe, your weight shifting too far forward. You need to do this. Okay. You need to push more with your quads at this position of the lift. Okay. Move your weight back. It's hard enough to do that. Even having trained for tens of thousands of hours in person, I don't understand how people do it if they've never actually trained somebody in person. Yeah. Um, and so most, most of what people are getting are just programs and no one's not, no one's looking at their shit and, and actually coaching them. Yep. It's programs and the words that I learned from somebody else. Yeah. 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 This is, and this is, this is another thing you were asking me, let's talk about shit that's driving us nuts in the industry. <laughs> Here we go, everybody. It's coming. Uh, the number of times that I have um, had to clean up somebody's technique because they weren't doing the movement customized to their body type so or what they're even wanting to get out of it. I, I had one girl years ago. She came to me and she, I go, what do you want to work on? She goes, I don't know how to squat for me. And I go, okay, explain that further. She goes, well, first I trained with a bodybuilder. Then I trained for powerlifting. Then my ex-boyfriend was an Olympic lifter. So I did that. So I've learned like three or four different types of squats and none of them feel good. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to get out of it? She goes, I just want my legs to look better. I'm like, all right, so let's run some assessments. Let's put you in the right position. Squat. Yeah, that feels really good. That feels the best. I'm like, cool. You've learned, you've learned the squat from each of those coaches that works for them. Yeah. And they they don't understand how to make it work for you. And you can't do that. Like I can't, you have to be able to have enough knowledge and experience <clears throat> to get the squat that's theirs. They own that. It's no one else's squat. That's their squat. That's, and that might look radically different between a hundred people. Yeah. And that's the worst thing that's happening in, in particularly in powerlifting is as soon as somebody <clears throat> starts with a remote coach, all of their clients just slowly start gravitating towards that coach's individual technique. And it's like, how do you know yeah. that this is going to be good for you? Like, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> I mean, and you got to look like people think that a squat's a squat, a deadlift's a deadlift, but it's not. I mean, are we, are we doing, are we doing a conventional deadlift? Are we doing a clean grip deadlift? Are we doing like a hips high powerlifting deadlift? Are we doing a sumo modified sumo? Like there's a, everything is different yeah yeah <clears throat> there's a ton of stuff like um even with a squat and like a box squat and are you going to squat and what type of shoes you're going to wear you're going to wear olympic lifting shoes you're going to wear converse you're going to do wide stance like how deep do you need to go are you competing or not and so like, are your hands on the there's bar a lot <clears throat> can you even put your hands on the bar so yeah. like i've got a thing now or i i tell people look like i do still because if I have any of my clients listen, they're going to go, well, hold on. I'm, I'm using a straight bar on the, on the back squat. Um, there's certain things I just don't do with gen pop. If you have access to a safety squat bar, I see no reason to use a straight bar. If you have a camber bar, why use a straight bar? Because most people can't externally rotate and extend the shoulder and, and, and 
get in the right position. Uh, most of the people that you get in gen pop, their shoulders are so fucked, their upper back so fucked, they can't get the bar in position anyways. So why don't we just use the safety squat bar? And not only um, that, but they don't give a shit about a straight bar squat. They don't. They're not. They, they do a single when fuck. they come to you, they're like, <laughs> no, they're like, I, I want to lose some weight. I want to feel better. Uh, I don't want my back to hurt. I'm going to take a solid shit once a week or once a day instead of once a week. It's yeah. like, okay, let's let's get your back squat, straight bar back squat real fucking strong. It's like they're five, not asking go. for that. Yeah. And I mean, do they even need to squat? Like yeah. you've got leg press, hack squat, leg extension. There's a ton of other shit you could be doing. I still teach it with my coaches only because they don't know how to fucking squat correctly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but there's a, so many tools that we could be using with people. If, if you're still using a straight bar back squat, for people who don't actually need to do it and they have access to a transformer bar, duffalo bar, like there's a camber bar, safety squat bar. Yeah. To me, it's like, I'm going to go buy a car today because my car needs to be upgraded. I'm going to go buy a, a, a Ford Model T. Like you would never yeah. do that. Like that'd be dumb. Or I'm going to go buy a horse and buggy. To me, that's using those old pieces of equipment when we now have better te- technology pieces we could be using and now we don't have to worry about people who can't get into that position or maybe it's causing too much compression on their AC joint. Like we can, we can actually switch off to something different and get more out of it, let them train hard and work around some of their problems while we also try to fix the problems. Right. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that I talk about with people like in our programs and our, our courses all the time too, is like, if they don't care about like you, like we don't want to make the goal and exercise we want the goal to be them yeah their goal whatever it is and then consistently exercising over time that's the that's the point of what we do it's not to be like okay cool you have mastered the low bar back squat or the conventional the sumo deadlifts like it's not relevant no it's like why what what is the what is the desired outcome okay what do we need to do to get there um but a lot of people like not the squat is the king of lower body exercises. Okay, cool. I think everybody should squat, but do they need to squat with 200 kilos on their back? Like if we like, <laughs> to me, like I, I almost teach exclusively now weightlifting style deadlifts, weightlifting style squats, because for me, they're the, they're the best position that shows that somebody has good function and, and people are limited how much weight they can put on and how fast they can progress those lifts because the longer range, the position is more important. Um, Technique is really important. I still love the front squat. There's a big trend in the industry to hate the front squat right now. I'm like the front squat to me is the best form of squat. If you can get somebody in that position because it limits their ability to lift with shit technique because they'll dump the bar. The front squat one is mind blowing to me because the argument against front squats started by somebody correctly saying that front squats are not the best exercise to build your quads compared to things like a hack squat or a high bar squat. It's like, yes, this is known. We all know this. You're going to lift heavier on a high bar squat. You don't have to focus on any of that shit during a, like during a a hack squat, you just fucking push. And now it's turned from that into front squats of the devil. If you do front squats, you you're training in 2007. You have no idea what you're doing. It's like, no guys, that's not what it is. So weird. Yeah. It's so weird. I mean, what if somebody doesn't, if what they don't have a hack squat machine, yeah. what if they don't have, you know, there's so you, 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 if you say, well, we're not going to front squat, we're not going to back squat. We just won't like press. Well, if my client lives in the middle of the bush and all they have is a fucking rack and a barbell. Yeah. Now I'm fucked because I don't believe in the back squat or front squat and I don't know how to coach it. Yeah. It's like, fuck, man. We're only going to search her and do Jefferson split squats and that's it. Nothing else. Uh, I, don't, I hate the Jefferson. I hate the Jefferson squat. I think it's a, <laughs> I, that is one I'll say that's a dumb fucking squat. I think that squat. one's terrible. Uh, but again, like that's one, like the Jefferson <sighs> deadlift, not even a bad one because it's doing the best you can to replicate Denny Stones in a gym. For a specific purpose. Exactly. For the Diddy Stones. <laughs> Literally for that one thing. Not just to go post it on fucking Instagram. Like if look, if you're gonna and I'll I will I will play devil's advocate because there are every exercise is useful for what you want to use it for. Like yeah. I don't mind a Jefferson squat 
uh, or deadlift or, or any of these things, if you have to, if you want to really want to work your upper back, your yeah. spine, you want to work your scapula, all that, it's great because it's going to limit what your legs can do. So I, I'll even put, I put high rep front squats as people are saying, no, no, I'll put that on a back day because I'm like, we're not really working the back, the, the legs are working the back. I'm really wanting you to hold that load anteriorly and move through a squat pattern. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance and things you could do. And, and every exercise has its use. Yeah. I'm, if I don't use something, then that's my prerogative. I just haven't found a good use for it, but I find you can find a good use for almost everything. Almost Pretty everything, much everything you're doing. Yeah. You just have to no think reason about to demonize it. stuff. Yeah. But that's hard. But that, that's the thing. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard. I don't want to do that. That's, that's, that I just want to go to social media and find a bunch of exercises and put my clients through and not understand why I'm doing it. Right. Can't you just give me a checklist of things that I can do? I, I know that this is good. I know that this is bad. I need rules, Luke. I need something. <laughs> that's, that's what people hate when they come to our courses. That's the, the one thing they, they, if I'm going to get a complaint about anything, you're like, no, no, no. I just want a 10 step process. Yeah. I'm like, bro, that's not how the body works. Everybody knows they're, everybody's biochemically different, physiologically different, orthopedically different. Like there is no 10 steps. Like if you want to learn this stuff, it's going to take you a very fucking long time. Yeah. I can't teach you everything you need to do in a fucking weekend course. Right. So you want me to distill my 20 plus years of experience down into 10 bullet points for you. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just, oh man, it's just, you know, just fundamental basic shit. Yeah. People just need to really focus on that stuff. Um, train in positions they can get into, improve those positions over time, manage the load to be able to get there, use special exercises if they can't get there, if they need to fix a certain problem, you know, but so many things, so yeah. much, so much arguing and bickering. And it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where like, I just don't care. Like now all I do is like, I just post tweets when I see people like doing dumb shit. I just post tweets and I'm like, you're stupid. And that's literally all my tweets. So I'm like, this is dumb. Like stop being so dumb. And like, that's literally all I'll do. I, just, I, I can't deal with it anymore, but I will say we've ranted about more than enough stuff. So let's talk about some of like your funnier experiences in fitness and in training. What is like any particular story that stands out as like one that it's like, nobody would believe that that like actually happened oh man i didn't think about that what would i what could i say man that's a tough one that really is it's a long time it's just gonna it's just gonna lead me to more ranting Go for um, it. that's what we're here for man well okay so okay well so we'll we'll put it like this i i'll, I'll tell you a story about a really stupid exercise that i saw one time and uh, almost put a woman in a hospital. So I was at a gym, Gold's Gym, outside of Austin. It's a 20,000 square foot facility. It was a fantastic gym to train at. And I was tra training a woman. And she goes, hey, what's that lady behind you doing? It's just, this lady was being trained by another trainer. And this is like, this is a um, girl who maybe had been training people for six months. So I, I turn around and a lady's deadlifting. And you could tell this lady had no can't chew gum and walk at the same time. Doesn't know how to command her own body over gravity. Like this is not somebody who needs to be doing what she's doing. She's deadlifting on an upside down BOSU ball. Nice. So the BOSU ball is going around. She's trying to deadlift like 40 pounds. Um, and I go, I don't know, but she's going to get, she's going to get hurt. She'll be hurt by the end of this session. 10 minutes later, I hear this crash girl had flipped off of it, hit the ground bar slammed into her legs and they had done it. They were doing it right next to a, a, a old, old decline bench. And the oh, decline bench no. with a foot pad is like exposed, rusted, oh. edgy metal. Oh, and her head, yeah, her head was in like an inch, maybe inch and a half from hitting that on her temple. And so she's laying on the ground. She's stunned. The coach is stunned. I walk over and I help her up and she looks at me and she goes, I don't want to do that exercise again. And I'm like, you don't have to. And so I was like, look, just do something normal, please. So <laughs> later I went and spoke to the, I went and spoke to the coach and I'm like, look, why, why, like, why were you doing that? What? That's not a good exercise. I go, no, that's not a good exercise. Like, uh, 
like, what are you trying to get out of it? Like, what's the adaptation? Because everything we're doing in here, you're doing for specific adaptation. So stimulus adaptation, I go, is your client, is your client planning on being on that, that Fisher movie where they're crabbing in uh, near Alaska and she has to deadlift in the middle of a fucking like hurricane. Yeah. Like, a, and you just, the, the boat's moving around. Rock She's got to be able to command the fuck. Like, what I don't understand why you're doing this. And she was like, Oh, I just thought that was, I don't know if she got a like in an ASM manual or yeah. something. I'm still baffled uh, of why um, she was doing that. But um, you know, that's young, six months in the industry trainer, also vegan marathoner. No, that's so about right. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of a lot of strikes going on yeah, there. This, but, this story adds um, it all tracks now, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. It was funny. We used to fuck with her because we were, we, we'd tell her, you need to eat meat. You need to eat some meat. Just eat little meat. You know, I, I wouldn't do that now because this is 20 years ago. I was a bit of a, you know, one of those dickheads. Everybody's got to eat meat. Vegans are stupid <laughs> and all that stuff. Now, now I don't try to change somebody's belief system. If you yeah. want to be a vegan, that's cool. I'll help you try to be the best vegan you can be. The best weak vegan uh, with no muscle you could ever be. Just have fun um, with your anemia. <laughs> but we'd fuck with her and be like, you know, you know, it would give you more energy meat. You know, what would make your muscles bigger meat. And then she ended up getting pregnant. And in the middle of the pregnancy, the doctor goes, yeah, you have to eat meat. The baby's not going to make it. Oh, so she awesome. actually had to stop being a vegan. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, as far as stories, I, I'll tell you some of the stuff with Charles was wild. Like yeah. Charles Pollockman was a fucking wild man. Um, Set that it was always funny to watch the dynamics between him and some of the guys that still worked with him from uh that were like national team and olympic team members back in the day like back I in the 80s imagine that. there's one guy there's one guy clark flynn right one of the funniest guys i've ever known i think he i think he competed in like three different olympic events and so we're in an elevator in toronto and this is the first time i've traveled like this is the first time I've traveled with Charles to teach. So I'm shitting bricks. This is like one of my childhood heroes. I've been mm -hmm. studying his shit since I was 14. I think I was 27 at the time. We're all in an elevator and Charles had had like two or three shoulder surgeries. And so he didn't have a lot of mobility on his arm. And we get in the elevator and I'm nervous as fuck because um, I'm now like alone with with these two guys. And Clark looks at me and I, I didn't understand their dynamic at that point. And he looks at me and goes, hey, Luke, do you know why Charles only stays on the on the bottom floor of the hotel? And I'm like, why? He goes, because he can't reach the button. He can't reach the button because his <laughs> shoulder's so fucked. And I I was stunned. I was like, this is Charles Pollock. Like, what are you doing? And Charles looks at him and they just start calling each other cunts and all this. And I started kind of laughing a little bit, but yeah. then, then it got to the point where we all start fucking with him because he, he couldn't put his jacket on. He couldn't put his arms to the jacket. He'd have to, he'd have to throw the jacket around and try to catch it in his <laughs> arm. And then he'd try to wiggle his other arm in. And it was just the funniest thing to see. Um, but, but yeah, those are, those are wild times. Those are good times. I'm yeah. that's what I miss about the, the industry is, those times where there was a lot of camaraderie, yeah. everyone was helping each other out instead of bickering with each other. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was such a good time. And I, I, I want to try to bring that back. But like people are really resistant to it now. Um, they just kind of want to. It's so hard because like on social media that the other shit sells. Like all of that rage yeah. and all that bickering, yeah, like, all that anger that sells so much better than anything else. So it's like, well, okay, cool. Now I'm trying to do this and I get no engagement out of this. So like Instagram punishes me, then I don't make any money. And it's like, I get pissed. Then I start bickering at people because I uh, see that they're doing dumb stuff and I hate it. And it's, yeah. And it's, it's what's crazy is a lot of the guys, the younger guys understand this. So they're like, the more nasty I am, the more people I attract and it's, and they, they make these absurd clickbait statements and it's like, okay, you're making these statements. You've been in the industry a few years and you're actually weak as piss. Yeah. You don't have a portfolio. You've not trained anybody. And now you're, you're arguing with all these other people and people are coming to you, but you actually don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's 
we're we're setting up for a nice industry collapse and purge soon, which is going to be fun because then there'll be some people who will stay and the rest are going to go sell used cars or something like that. That's going to be a good time. I thought that's I thought COVID was going to do that. And it did a little bit, but then there was this kind of kind of this slingshot back. Yeah. It's like super compensation of the industry. It was a bad and now resurgence. it's like oh man. And it's like I think it's actually worse now yeah. than before. No, but did you see um my wife sent me this? Did you see uh Brett Contreras made a, a reel and he was talking about a workout? that he posted a workout and it was something like 760 reps oh that was supposed to be done in God. 50 minutes yeah and the, in first, the first exercise yeah yeah and he was like look i've done the calculation he goes even if you did this with one minute rest between each exercise it would still take almost an hour and a half and then i'm looking at, and i'm just laughing because the first exercise is nordic curls five sets of 15 i'm like who oh yeah the fuck that's who very, the fe- fuck can very do feasible. <laughs> Super easy. Like, who the get, fuck can you? You would be fucking destroyed. We're all amazed when we watch an NFL lineman do one Nordic ham curl on ESPN. Yeah. Like, literally yeah. one rep. It's like, that was incredible. <laughs> like, people do. I like watching these people do. They're like, we're, we're going to do eccentric Nordic curls and they do like maybe an eighth of the curl and then they face plant and yeah. they push themselves up and they're like, all right. And like, Where's the eccentric? That's a uh, 0.3 millisecond eccentric. Yeah, you've got you no time you can't there. Do that You have gained nothing. Zero. Yeah. You can't do the exercise. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you good. You want to hear a good uh, Mexico steroid story? Oh, definitely. I think we got time for one more. This will be a perfect one to kick us off with. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a good Mex- Mexican steroid story. So, Again, growing up in Texas, like I, we didn't have access to that when we were in high school, but when I went to college, that kind of changed everything because my parents couldn't tell me that I couldn't drive to Mexico. So one one spring break, I remember going, I think I was maybe mid, mid twenties, like this is right in the middle when I was actually competing in powerlifting. So I'm like, cool, I'm going on holiday. I'm going to go over to Progresso and then go across the border to Nuevo Progresso and that's where a lot of like, um, that's where a lot of like grandmas and grandpas go when they go to Mexico, because at the time it's relatively safe, much safer than places like Juarez and Matamoras and places like that. Mm-hmm. So they go there and they get their knickknacks and shit. So like, cool. So a girl I was dating, her dad lived like maybe 45 minutes from the border. So we went and stayed with him before we went to South Padre. And she, they were like, oh, let's take a day trip in Nuevo Progreso. So I'm with my girlfriend at the time and her father. We walk over, and of course, the first thing that happens to me when, when I walk over, because at the time, I think I was, God, I was probably 120 kilos in body weight. And so all these people flocked to me, esteros, esteros, estero, veterinario. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, please, yes, yes. veterinario. <laughs> yes. First thing I do, I go and I buy a shit ton of D-balls, a bunch of Reformit B. I buy, like, this is Bravel, like, uh like T300, like real dirty, gross Mexican steroids, Clomid, everything. When I, I didn't think this through completely. So when I'm coming back across the bridge, I've got like ampules, bottles, pills taped to my legs. I was in the bathroom, like popping all these things out, <laughs> putting them in bags, taking them out. So I'm like, I'm like being a, a steroid mule for my own shit. And <clears throat> It was all for me. I wasn't going to sell it, but I had enough to like last me like a year or more. So it looked like I was trying to, you know, bring a bunch of stuff to to sell it. Yeah. And so I, I, I try to cover up as much as I could, but dude, I'm like 120 kilos. There's no, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. It's obvious what I'm doing and I'm fucking sweating bullets in the line. And I look up and this border patrol guy, this massive black guy looks at me. And I'm like, oh fuck, oh, no. I'm gonna get in so much. I'm I'm going to jail. He he uh, shit, you're not. He winks at me and then grabs the two little frat guys in front of me. He goes, Come here, what do you guys have on you? Let me search you. And he goes, sir, please go through. I walk, I just walk across with like three thousand dollars worth of steroids oh tape in my legs <laughs> and fucking went and changed my changed my underwear after that because yeah. I pretty much shit myself. But yeah. Dude, so that's, that's that's my. <laughs> that's wild. 
That's yeah. why like I was just listening I, to um Tom Segura and Bert uh Bert Kreischer on their podcast. And like that's they were talking about like how they do that with their tour buses and like the border patrol agents like stop them and they pull up pull them all off and make them all get real stressed and they talk to the drivers and like harass them and like oh uh they're like what do you what do we do and they're like oh i'm just a huge fan of Burt's and i wanted to get a picture but i wanted to scare you a little bit first so good <laughs> <laughs> and i guess you, so got that, you got that moment for yourself that's awesome all right so yeah yeah it was cool Luke, we are coming up on about an hour. So thank you very much for joining us today. If you have, a, if you would like to be found, where can people find you? Yeah. Yeah. Muscle nerds underscore health on Instagram. Uh, nobody uses Facebook anymore. So we're on Facebook. Nobody uses it. So that's it, man. That's it. If um, any coaches, anybody looking for training, mentorship, education, they, they can get us at info at musclenerds.net. And we do have a website, but who uses websites anymore? Does anybody? Yes, not really. It's just through Instagram, Linktree, PayPal not right really. away. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's and one thing social media has done really well is just streamline everything. Yeah. Also, if you guys do go follow Luke on Instagram, his stories are usually the best memes. Very funny. Top tier uh, meme selection. I've <laughs> been off it. <laughs> I've been off it lately just because I've been too busy, but yeah. uh, I'll try to I'll try to pump up the memes. The, the only problem is with having that account is people will go in there and send me, ask me muscle nerd shit. And I'm like, no, 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 wrong. This is where I go to get away from muscle nerds. Yeah. Message me on muscle nerds and let Zoe take care of it. So if you want to laugh, Beal, follow Luke, but don't ask him any smart questions there. That will not go well. No, 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 no business stuff on my page. It's <laughs> all pleasure. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. We'll see you. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. If you liked this episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and drop us a review. We'll see you next time.